Dear listeners, Sai Ram, welcome to our radio series, Afternoon Satsang. This is a discussion between Radio Sai's Prem and Arvind on different spiritual topics. Every Thursday on Asia Stream, you can enjoy this live conversation. It's from 12.30 p.m. to 2.00 p.m. Indian Standard Time. The topic of today's episode is Satyam Shivam Sundaram. the life story of bhagwan sri satyasai baba and this was first featured as part of thursday live on april 25th 2013 om shri sai ram from the lord's own radio station located at the spiritual capital of the universe prashanti nilayam puttaparthi i am arvind from team radio sai offering my gratitude at the lotus feet of bhagwan for this beautiful opportunity to welcome all our listeners for yet another segment of afternoon satsang and as always along with me is brother prem from team radio sai and i take this opportunity to welcome him Sairam Prem Sairam Arvind I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be waiting for us to resume what we've been talking about Swami's biography Swami's sweet story Satyam Shivam Sundaram and we had promised the last time when we spoke about this topic that we will travel to Kamalapuram with Swami and yes. that is precisely the juncture where we are at right now Yes Prem we will definitely travel with Swami to Kamalapuram but before we travel please forgive me you know there was one thought process that went on Thank for you. the last few days and i am if i can say i am sorry for springing this as a surprise even on you mm-hmm. but let me share it with you okay. and when i share i will need your cooperation because it's going to be a set of questions and you have to answer okay so answer straight from your heart don't worry about anything okay the first question is have you played video games yes of course i think anybody yes. who's been through childhood would have and uh, It's it's not stopped with my childhood even now if you give me a video game I think I'd get Okay so have it. you played strategy based video games Strategy based uh, yeah I mean like I, where you have to choose your resources you have to marshal between them because right, there's I, a trade off Right I guess so you have to intelligently yeah, choose Some of these speeding games I think you you choose where you uh, use the boost uh, exactly. the speed boost okay. and things like that Okay great right? then mm. Third question before we go into that the third question is do you believe that the way to transform the world is through individual transformation thank god i thought you could ask me <laughs> the way to transform the world is through video games <laughs> <laughs> no 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 <laughs> through individual transformation i think so i mean uh, i can't prove that to you but definitely based on whatever we heard from sami and there is a kind of gut feeling within that yes individual transformation is what is necessary for transforming the world great and if at all there are any listeners out there wondering how individual transformation is actually the way for world transformation maybe we can have a satsang on that sometime yeah. but as of now we accept the fact that individual transformation is the way to change the world right. okay now now that we have agreed on this now imagine prem that the world today as we see there is this doesn't need imagination we see it it's in utter chaos there's a lot of problem in the world now the way to transform the world today is through individual transformation that's what we have agreed okay now suppose you are given the this mission if i may say so that you have to go out and change the world mm-hmm. 
you will be concentrating on changing individuals because individual transformation is the way to world transformation right so now this if i can say is your video game mission mm-hmm. you are going to go out and change the world mm-hmm. so for this now there are the resources that i'm offering first resource is the number of years how many right. years do you think you will pick for changing the world okay nothing all that you can give me <laughs> okay so take an arbitrary number say how many 100 years 200 years 300 years how many years do you think you will need let's say 100 okay suppose 100 years so now you know you are choosing your life on earth okay mm-hmm. let's say we are in the heavens okay. looking down on earth seeing how horrible it's in it. mm-hmm. and now you are picking things so that you can go and accomplish your mission in this game right so you have picked 100 years okay okay now which country do you think you will choose to start off your life where do you think you would like to take birth in the whole world because now you're going yeah, right i think you will have to choose a country where other things are taken care of you can okay. straight plunge into the work maybe a country which is has a stable setup okay by means of economy and politics so maybe some some sample some european country maybe, yeah, united some, states one of, the, one of the european or the american okay what kind of family will you pick yeah that family which would feed me and you know keep me well covered so no, that, i'm you know you don't lose years in the process of security right okay that security no in the sense for example if you are maybe the son of a president or maybe if you are the president right, yeah some some family of influence right yeah so so you you will pick 100 years be born in some western industrialized modern country and uh, pick a family that is rich or influential right. so that you can inspire people right. to change so with this you are sure in 100 years you will be able to transform the world yes so <laughs> through individual transformation right i too went through this uh, thought process prem and i too arrived at similar answers you know like i was thinking maybe i'll be born in the us maybe i'll be born to somebody who is very popular somebody whom everybody loves so that people will listen to me when i speak right and as i thought all this i suddenly you know what struck me was when swami decided to come for avatar hood take up his avatar hood maybe these were precisely the questions that he faced where to be born when to be born how to be born and the choices he made on the face of it looked like very wrong or very unintelligent choices right he chose to be born in a place puttaparthi which forget the world map which was not even on the postal map of india <laughs> you know to deliver the post and telegraph usually every place in a country are linked and puttaparthi did not even figure on the postal map of india right and he was born into a family which could not afford 3 square meals a day we are talking about influence <laughs> it was such a poor family and he chose to be born in backward india puttaparthi has been described as a stone's throw from stone age and to put it in the perspective of the social uh, situation then hmm. he was not even born into an intellectual family like a brahmin family correct he was born into a kshatriya family i, I know many uh, listeners might not be able to relate to it but it was a very important thing in the situation then exactly independent india if you are brahmin people automatically respect you right. revere you, you and you have started at an advantage you inherit authority by birth and we are sharing this because swami came on the earth exactly with the same agenda if we may say so that is individual transformation so that the world gets transformed 
and he has come with the same thing he chose less than 100 years 80 years and all the disadvantages <laughs> on deeper thinking we realize that swami knew that decades after he has left his body centuries after he has left his body his life will still be discussed and at that time you know people may put off saying ah swami was god so he did it we can't swami wanted to show that individual transformation is very powerful and he wanted to show that individual transformation transcends wealth fame influence everything he showed how by being born in a poor family in an in a literally god if we may say so in quotes god forsaken place which god did not forsake actually in a country that wasn't very wealthy in such circumstances he chose to be born and today he is god he is worshiped as god millions of homes in millions of homes and all this happened through sheer individual effort and transformation i mean swami did not have any need for transformation but swami showed how you can lead your life in an ideal manner so that he did not you know he did not gather influence or he did not gather fame by simply waving his hand waving his hand and doing it off in a divine manner he could have chosen to be born as the president of the united states it becomes so much easier to influence the world people have to listen to you but no swami chose a path where his life will be a message to whole humanity in all times to come which will prove beyond doubt that if you lead an ideal life you can accomplish the transformation of the world and in that perspective i feel what we are doing today that is going through swami's life going through his history which is his story is of great importance and significance because as he himself said it his life is his message and it is by studying his life that we too can hope of making our lives his message very true arvin you know because the essence lies in what you said you know individual transformation is the way to world transformation if you read the bhagavad vaini hmm. that swami makes a very 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 profound point he says the first duty of the avatar or the first reason why the avatar comes down is to fulfill those who lived lives filled with love for god okay that is the first duty the avatar comes to perform hmm. it is to give joy to those who spend their life loving the lord and transformation comes later hmm. and swami says that is why krishna declares paritranaya sadhunam vinashaya chatushkritam the first is paritranaya sadhunam the first is to fulfill the desires of Protect the pious and uphold the pious right and that is where because you know the, as we going to discuss kamlapuram and urukonda to follow the kind of lives which swami touched hmm whereas you said not of influential people not of people who were you know known in the world then hmm. but still he was touching people who were coming to him hmm. maybe they were people who deserved that grace and that is why they were receiving it it's not maybe they were people who deserved his grace and that's why they received it and all the while maybe swami's eyes were on that world transformation because if we see you know i might be going a little ahead now when swami sang manasa bhajare guru charanam saying that you seek succor at the lotus feet of, feet of your guru, guru and you will get peace you know this was a time when the world was being ravaged by the world wars right on one it was like on one side the whole world was burning itself with missiles bombs bullets guns and every country was at war with some country or the other 
it was at such a time that swami you know threw away his books and he said that my devotees are calling out to me i can't stay here anymore it is in this perspective when we see we realize how he responded to the global call the global plea there was suffering and pain everywhere and he said enough i can't sit here studying textbooks <laughs> i have to leave but well as i said i was jumping the gun there coming back when swami completed his primary schooling in puttaparthi and he then went to kamalapuram the reason why he had to go to kamalapuram itself is interesting swami's brother sheshama raju wanted to you know fix himself in the position of a teacher so for that some training required him to go to kamalapuram and at that time when his brother left to kamalapuram he went and stayed at the place of his in-laws in-laws right at that time swami's parents that is yeah same that is the same parents for felt that if this younger brother the little one satyam also accompanied sheshama raju to kamalapuram he could benefit from the better education there and maybe become the officer that they dreamed that he would become one day <laughs> <laughs> and in fact even in kamalapuram swami says in some discourses that sheshama raju was not staying in that house where swami was put up mm. because sheshama raju was traveling for that training the teachers training and he used to come and uh, once a week or something mm. and actually that that set the tone for what swami went through in kamalapuram oh because here was a boy a little boy who happens to be the younger brother of your son in law mm. and so swami ended up doing a lot of the hard work in the house mm. and you can imagine kamlapuram it's it's in the kadapa district of andhra pradesh oh burning hot very very hot and swami would say that there was a water scarcity mm. so every day swami would walk so many miles just to fetch water and uh, swami would say that you know there is to be a rod a bamboo pole on, that was the way they used to carry right, water in the old days on the side there would be there would be pots mm. and swami would fill water in that and early morning set out to where the water source was and bring water and again come back from school in the evening and again repeat the whole thing because water is something that you need right and uh, every time that swami used to carry water back home he would carry this bamboo pole on his tender shoulders you know literally and figuratively swami's shoulders were carrying bearing a great responsibility and burden and very often they would get chapped they would get sore but swami never complained bearing the pain he did it you know today when we look back we feel all that swami had to do today swami has provided water to 700 villages and many many more millions of people have benefited by the water that he has supplied did he have to carry those pots of water on a daily basis bruising his shoulder bruising his arms to supply water for five people what is supplying water for five people when he has supplied water to millions but again as we said you know we we get tears in our eyes when we imagine tender swami doing it because when we imagine the swami we had darshan of no swami we would not allow him to even to lift his own glass of water because we want to do that it's an opportunity to do it for him but you know the lord that feeling that we got is also because the lord did it that way to us he did everything as a service to us and when we see the lord doing it to us naturally we feel like doing it to him and so right from his childhood he has set up he has lived such an ideal life that 
he has set an example for us to emulate right and that is the beautiful thing you know and swami describes the setting of uh, kamlapuram those days what is mm. scarcity what swami did mm. i think many people many boys and many children of his age would have been doing at that time mm. it was not like swami was undergoing something which was unknown or which was uncommon in that time mm. there might have been other children who underwent it and that's where that choice of you know doing what he did was special because here was somebody who could choose anything but he chose to do this and i think that was where swami wanted to give that lesson because i think in our life most often we don't choose the events which come to us hmm. but what makes us is how we respond to those events exactly swami says what you meet in life is destiny how you meet it is self effort right and that is what swami wanted to show us swami just had that extra ability to choose so hmm. he chose the adverse situations and he said this is how you have to face it And that's a beautiful point prem see when swami has the ability to choose i mean in the sense has the ability to write his own destiny he chose not a rich he did not choose an affluent or luxurious or a comfortable life he chose something that was tough hard and very difficult i mean if we were to be gods and we were to choose would we have chosen that but that is what i think separate god from man selflessness from selfishness and actually I mean uh, when you say this what uh, strikes me is at that time when Swami was in Kamlapuram when Swami was in Puttaparthi Bukkapatnam Swami was showing us when you have little how do you live you hmm. know how you don't show people that you have little how you show, don't show people that your family is you know not as always keeping up the family yes. respect hmm in the later years when Swami had all the wealth under his command Swami again showed us how you live because he chose to live in the smallest apartment in Prashanti Nilayam hmm. he chose to always walk around barefoot when hmm. you know people could have given him golden sandals gold. yes right and swami always wore the simplest of clothes and swami showed us you know both ends of the spectrum that is where swami was always teaching us and swami i mean it's you can repeat it over and over again when swami said my life is my message the way he lived did not depend on the amount of wealth he had exactly as you said prem <laughs> even in the poorest of times the way he lived in the richest of times he lived the same and way swami would often say that same sankati which he had mm. in kamlapuram and swami says that ambali they used to call that made from ragi ragi malt and ah. that too the one of the previous day that which is soaked in water overnight mm. that is what swami used to have early in the morning and leave for school mm. and almost till the end swami kept eating only that ragi sankati correct when he could have had dishes fit for a king i remember prem one or two occasions when i got that rare privilege and chance to see swami eat <laughs> not dozens you know as a exaggeration i just said thousands of but you know dozens of dishes made from the richest of kind of nutrients and with lot of oil with lot of different things you know the best everybody would cook and get it swami would barely even touch many of them you know he would bless them all just with his sight and then distribute it among everyone else to partake as prasadam his consumption remained the same frugal and we could see it from his size and you know never never as swami used to say for a long time almost ever since he crossed his teenage years his weight has been a constant 108 pounds <laughs> it has neither gone up nor down it has always been at that and that is one of the reasons why swami never used to be liked to be photographed while eating correct swami used to tell us when he was students mm. because when swami's spread is laid 
there would be about 25 30 bowls Dishes. of food correct but what swami used to eat is hardly anything and swami would say people will think that i am eating so much <laughs> <laughs> really in spite of that there have been photographs taken and swami has allowed because if that is the desire so be it but very true i mean just because we think that just because we have this much money or just because we have this much we can we are entitled to it because i have the means to enjoy so but swami showed that even when i have the means i have 40 dishes laid out before me in silver plate doesn't mean i will gorge on them i will still continue to take what i need and that is a powerful message that swami has been sending to us ever since his childhood whatever be the availability we should take only what we need because as gandhi said there is enough in the world for everyone's need but not enough even for one man's greed absolutely and you know talking of how swami used to be reminded of that exchange which happened in uh, in kodaikanal you know when mm. one of the devotees raised this topic with swami he said swami you eat so little mm. but you do so much mm. you know even physically you're so active and then you know he added a comment saying that maybe swami you draw your energy straight mm. from the panchabhutas Hmm. Okay. Immediately, Swami cut the him short. The panchabhutas meaning the five the elements. The five elements. Okay. okay. And Swami sternly gave him a look, and he said, "No, the five elements draw the energy from me." <laughs> Those rare moments when Swami chooses to let us know his reality. Right. And he chose many such moments, even in his childhood, to let people know of his reality. And therefore, when he went to Kamalapuram, it is said that his fame preceded him. in the sense that there was some kind of respect and love that people showed to swami in fact it is also said that kamalapuram the devotees of kamalapuram were among the foremost devotees of swami even though he made his announcement of his avatarhood in uravakonda so kamalapuram even in the later days seemed to have a very special place in swami's heart right So when Swami went to Kamalapuram, one of the first things about him that got noticed was his singing talent. Right, and that's what Swami used to say that when he joined the school, I think it was uh, the headmaster was Kondappa, I think Swami says. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he uh, called Swami and said, Swami, you should lead the, I mean, not Swami, Satyam. <laughs> Satyam. <laughs> he said, Satyam, you should lead the morning prayers. So then Swami said, No, what is the prayer you chant here? Mm. So then the principal said, No, you write. whatever you write let all the children follow that because uh, satyam's ability to compose and write had also preceded him to kamlapuram everyone knew that satyam was a genius poet he was a good singer too and therefore in the school assembly the practice was one person would go up on stage and sing and lead the whole school in the prayer and that position was given to satyam and satyam did it with great elan he composed what is actually the telugu version of the national anthem of india right and you know one of the things which swami used to mention later was mm. the scene of that uh, prayer session after swami chose not to go to school again okay of course we are jumping the gun a bit here but but we should we should mention it definitely huh? swami would say that you know after swami left none of the children wanted to participate in that the principal finally found one of the students who had learned that song from swami and he kind of implored him to come and lead the prayer and swami would say that that boy used to sing the first two lines and then break down and the whole school used to break down and wouldn't be able to continue i mean <laughs> when you look back now what better prayer could there 
you know been there's one thing ironical here prem but not ironical i mean paradoxical you know in life we have moments when we laugh in life we have moments when we cry later on when we look back at our life we laugh at the moments when we cried and we cry remembering the moments when we laughed that is the case that happens even today with all of us with swami recollecting the beautiful days when he smiled and brought smiles on our face even now as i recollect tears well up in the eyes and when we look back thinking of all the things that we cried cried for telling swami this is what i want this is what we want this is what and today when we realize in perspective that they are nothing we smile and laugh at our own foolishness and that is what happened even to those children when after swami left the school it was literally for them like how we are feeling now you know of swami having left the physical because we cry because we feel we are no longer able to touch feel swami physically with us and that is what the children there felt and therefore when the child was called up on stage to lead in the prayer he would break down after as you said after every two lines there is one more beautiful aspect to this prayer you know as we said it was the translation of the national, national anthem let's make a go the beauty of the national anthem of india is that it is not a song that just glorifies the land it is a prayer to the lord right it is addressed to the bharata bhagya vidatha which means the fulfiller of the destiny of bharat which is the lord and you know it's a beautiful composition because it describes the whole landscape in prayer in prayer it says from the himalayas in the north to the kanyakumari in the south naming all the main rivers mm. and he says all these flow in gratitude to you in in reverence and prayer to you and i'm going to play a small clip here when where swami himself describes how the principal comes and asks swami to write that poem and swami gives the lyrics wow i think you know 70 years later <laughs> swami is describing that song let's okay, play let's that listen to that yeah ora mo school lo poi prarthana nene cheyala earlier bhagwan used to lead all the school in prayer kaani akkada oka kameshwar rao anetu untaina chaala bhaktudu headmaster the headmaster of the school kameshwar rao is an ardent devotee chaala manchi bhaktudu is a very good devotee pillavadu kaadu vedu मुसलमान क्रिस्तानी पूर्व पश्चिम आसे तव सिंहासन पासे प्रेमहार मर्यादा जनगण मंगलदायक जय जय भारत भाग्य विदाता अनि चित्पात यस इमीडिएटली इंस्टेंटेनियसली कंपोज्ड द होल ऑफ द प्रेयर सॉन्ग रिफ्लेक्टिंग द यूनिटी ऑफ ऑल द रिलीजियंस हिंदू बौद्ध सिख जैन पारसिक मुसलमान क्रिस्तानी इव चपकूदु एंड दे सेड यू शुड नॉट मेंशन द नेम्स ऑफ ऑल रिलीजियंस मतमंटो चेड्डा अभिमानम दे हैव गॉट अ काइंड ऑफ fanaticism to one's own religion kaani college school vallandaru chaala dinni mechukunnaru but all school children appreciated it swami is saying that the uh, opposition he faced when he wrote hindu bauddha sikh and all the religions yeah prem when uh, swami spoke about the opposition he faced i was reminded of maybe we have narrated it on the satsang but you know when we were planning the first independence day drama to put up in swami's presence that time swami had had his fall and he was not able to uh, stand and walk for long time long periods 
so at the end of our independence day drama we felt that on independence day it is natural that we sing the national anthem right janaganamana uh, and uh, we were told by the elders that you should not do this and they had a right reasoning for it they said see swami is not able to stand now so it will not be nice for us to make him stand because when the national anthem is sung swami has always stood you know right. swami stands up so they said it is not right but when we got an opportunity and prayed to swami swami said yes you should have the national anthem and he said every person who is a human will appreciate this he said the whole hall will stand up and sing <laughs> you know because i felt the speciality of this national anthem as we said before is that it is a prayer and therefore it becomes universal it is just describing the rivers and mountains in india and it says that all this flows in gratitude to you that's all so it's like a prayer to the lord praising his bounty and glory and therefore swami said all should sing you know irrespective of caste creed nationality and that is what actually happened and recollecting that day you know i feel so much thrill because it was a beautiful experience and well you know to cut the suspense on the final day swami did not stand up <laughs> he sat and he just kept beat with his hand you know just like how he does for the bhajans it was as if he was receiving the prayer it felt so beautiful when we sing bhajans swami smiles and taps his hand and receives the bhajans here was he receiving the national anthem because it is not just a national anthem it is a prayer to the lord and you know as you were saying it was addressed to him I'm just reminded you know 1965 i just happened to look through a discourse that discourse was just after the india pakistan war 1965 hmm. just a couple of months later and there swami starts talking about the fear which people are having and the apprehensions which there because india was still a young country hmm. just about less than two decades into independence and then swami ends the discourse by saying that fear not nothing can touch this mother of sanatan dharma hmm i give you my word wow here really was bharat bhagividata who saying that Now hearing this prem you know if i am given the choice in the video game in the beginning i think i'll choose india to be born no one no one <laughs> i think if we were to follow swami's life as you said you know study deeply i think we will know why he made every choice that he made and maybe with that wisdom if we are given the choice we would make every choice the way he made it hmm so before we go on to the other aspects of the kamlapuram stay which swami lived through maybe we should play that same song the prayer song which swami used to sing in the tune in which swami had taught it to the children definitely prem and uh, this is from the shirdi sai patti sai serial which was divya uh, katha the tele serial that was made right and very beautifully rendered indeed I'm not afraid. 
Well, Prem, talking of the Kamlapuram days, whenever Swami has spoken about the Kamlapuram days or whenever we read about it from Satyam Shyam Sundaram, we always see one particular mention that is almost come to signify or epitomize these Kamlapuram days right. and that is the fair at Pushpagiri. Right, the cattle fair which used to happen at Pushpagiri. We spoke about uh, Swami's child uh, school days, the middle school days in Kamlapuram. Swami was very, very popular in the school. He was the class monitor. Swami used to say, I used to be the class monitor. Mm. So it was natural that when there was a scouts camp at this Pushpagiri cattle fair, the scoutmaster wanted Swami to follow, uh, Swami to also to join. And Swami would say that, you know, one of the reasons why he wanted Swami to uh, come to the fair is it. If he comes, then all the other parents will agree to send their children. <laughs> because one reason is, you know, the scouts, when you go training as scouts, one of the most important things for a scout is discipline. Right. And somehow, as children, you know, we are all tuned to be, if we can say, indisciplined. I mean, we don't like discipline. The only reason why the children used to love discipline at that time was because Satyam loved discipline. Right. And Satyam was very disciplined. And so, this was a way that you could inspire all the children to be part of the scouts. You know, the school would offer scouts who would go and do different kinds of service at the Pushpagiri fair. Right. This is something beautiful about the education system in those days that I feel all our education system today must emulate. You know, the students would be sent out as part of their schooling to places to do service. Because... That is also a vital part of education. Right. That is needed for life. We need to learn how to serve. As we learn mathematics, as we learn English, as we learn our other subjects, we also need to learn how to serve. And this was so natural in the schools of those days, including the British schools that were there before independent India came about, where children would be sent to volunteer and work. How I wish that... You know, it still continues in our institute, in our university. Every year, the Grama Seva has become institutionalized, where the students go and serve in the villages and benefit from the service, learning. They're, it's like an eye-opener for all of them. They learn how to serve. It's an important aspect, face it in life. So, that was the reason why the headmaster, scoutmaster wanted Swami Satyam to be part of this scout troop because then all the children would easily follow and all the parents too would send them as you said. Right. But the only problem with this whole uh, scout trip was each boy had to pay a sum of 10 rupees. Okay. So that that takes care of the travel up and down and the expenditures there. Hmm. But as Swami would say 10 rupees was like a huge sum of money for Swami Princely to offer. For him. Really. Hmm. Because Swami said when, when his father left him at Kamlapuram at his brother's house he gave him two anas. <laughs> he said, you keep this for your expenses. Two anas. Just for the information of our listeners, 16 anas make up a rupee. One rupee. One rupee. So, two anas is like one-eighth of a rupee. <laughs> and that, that's, how, that's how little that was. And here was Swami having to pay 10 rupees. And, and, and speaking of rupees and money, you know, uh, one more reason why they wanted uh, Satyam to be a part of this troop was because there were some wealthy patrons who would often sponsor the troop. Right. A, a part of the expense. So, it was felt that only if Satyam is part of the scouts, will the people feel that this scout troop will do some good. 
Otherwise, they would feel that these scouts are simply taking money to go and enjoy a picnic or an excursion. Right. And Prem, even to this day, you know, that holds good. It has been my personal experience. On a few occasions when I have got to visit some places, it is only because, you know, we speak about Swami and cherish his memories and share his love with everyone that everyone feels that this is a beautiful visit, a beautiful trip that you have made, a wonderful visit that you have made. Otherwise, it is always considered like a picnic or an excursion. It is only Swami who brings meaning into every travel and trip, not only when he was a student, even today in our own lives. Wherever we travel, we have seen that it is only when we spread Swami's message, live Swami's message and relive Swami's memories that we also feel that the trip is fruitful and everyone around also feels that the trip is fruitful. Without Swami, it just becomes a picnic or an excursion or simply frivolous spending of time, energy and money. And that was what even the patrons of those days thought. They thought if Satyam is not there, this troop is up to no good. Only the presence of Satyam will give importance to the troop. Mm. And that was again the reason why they wanted so that the sponsors will come ahead and take care of partial expenses of the scout troop and also realize that this scout troop means business because Satyam is part of it. It has to mean business. And that was something which followed in Swami's projects in the later life also. Mm. Because you know, when Swami started the hospital, when Swami started the university, the water project, there were his devotees who came to help willingly. But there mm. were a lot of philanthropists who thought that if Swami is doing something, you can be sure that he's going to do it in the best manner possible. Correct. And that is why so many people came and offered in the form of wealth, in the form of their efforts. Doctors, there's so many doctors who hmm. never were devotees of Swami in the sense of the, how we understand them. But when they heard about the hospital, they came and offered their services. Exactly. There were so many who felt that the way Swami would utilize the resources would be much better than the way they would utilize their own resources. Right. And therefore, they gladly offered it to Swami, be it their skill, their talent, their time, their energy or their money. And that was precisely what was happening here. As you said, the Scoutmaster was very, very particular that somehow he has to convince Swami to go. And not only the Scoutmaster, all of the classmates, all the Scouts right. also, they felt that no trip or no visit or nothing, no activity as such can be complete without their loving Satyam, without their beloved Satyam, who is also their Guru. You know, he had become Guru. Wherever Swami went, he became Guru to his classmates and his peers. Right. So they wanted, they felt that without Satyam, they would be leaderless. They would be like, you know, not only bored because Satyam regaled them with tales, with mythological stories, with songs and inspirational stories. Without Satyam, it felt so incomplete, it felt so empty. So even the children were very eager that Satyam is part of the scout troop. Right. And you know, when Swami used to recollect that, Swami used to say, Kaki, Nikas and Shad, you know what I had those days, Swami used to recollect, Swami said, that you know, all I had was one pair of clothes, which mm. I used to wear to school. And Swami would describe how he would come back from school, change into a small towel just drape a towel right. around him and wash his clothes and then take a copper vessel put burning embers in that use that as an iron press the clothes and then fold the clothes very neatly and put it under a trunk so that next morning it will be fresh and like a new uniform 
and some you would say that with repeated washing the clothes had torn and he said i couldn't even afford safety pins so i used to take cactus thorns so that they will hold the torn cloth together and prem what we discussed before the same thing even you know after his 70th birthday 80th birthday there were thousands of devotees you know who would anonymously gift wrap and send robes to swami because they felt that was a way they wanted to offer but swami always used just a few pairs the minimal pairs rest of the robes every now and then we have seen you know swami would just distribute it 5000 robes distributed to the devotees who will treasure it cherish it and benefit from it in their own ways swami just kept giving giving it's not that he couldn't afford throughout his life swami had just had two of those buttons that he wears for <laughs> the robes it's not that he couldn't afford more but again his life is his message what i need is what i will have otherwise no problem so it is not as if that he couldn't afford and therefore he had only one pair of clothes that's all he needed and therefore therefore even when he could afford all the clothes in the universe he just stuck to what he just needed because that is how the lord lives and here also swami was telling a very beautiful message where there was a situation he cannot go to the scout uh, mm. the whatever the tour because he couldn't afford it and he cannot tell his teacher and his classmates that i am not going because i can't afford it hmm. so he had to say something by which he because can, if he says that it'll right, be like it'll a be family like the honor of the family honor might of the be family ha so swami had to say something by which he will be left out hmm. but then the moment he said you know swami would say that i tried telling them that i am not keeping well hmm. and immediately the rest of the children in the class said that then we are also not going to the scout hmm. we don't want to go without satyam hmm. so swami was in this predicament and and then he tried telling the scout master saying that you know my relatives are coming to the pushpagiri fair i'll come with them maybe i can't join you as a scout i'll come with them in fact i remember in one discourse swami when he was mentioning about these days he said that uh, even when i feigned sickness i did not say fever because fever is something that you can put your uh, palm on the forehead or the throat the and check the temperature therefore i said i am having an upset stomach i am having diarrhea i am having stomach pain because that is something they could not check but even then they were insistent and then swami says swami had two classmates benchmates Ramesh and Parish we've heard Swami talk about them so many times and Swami would say that one of these boys that Ramesh his father was uh, a very high officer in uh, I think some Sirastidar yeah, or Sirastidar something Sirastidar or something I don't know what rank that is huh. in in uh, the modern time of those days right so and Swami would say that this Ramesh was exactly of the same stature of Swami same height same, same height and so whatever clothes he wore could easily fit Swami so what he said was he went to his father who was quite well off mm-hmm. and told him that you know these scout dresses these uh, khaki uh, shorts and shirt i like them very much can you stitch two pairs for me instead of one instead of one mm-hmm. so the father had no problems and stitches another pair so what this boy does is he wraps it in a newspaper and keeps it under swami's desk mm-hmm. with a small chit and he says satyam do you consider me as a younger brother if so accept this otherwise i will throw myself under a train Oh, okay. threat also. So he said threat. And Swami says that I took that chit and I tore it into pieces and threw it away. And then I wrote another chit, saying that yes, of course you are my younger brother, but it is not right for objects to come in between friendship. The only thing which has to be exchanged between two friends is love. Hmm. So if I accept this article today, 
then with time this friendship will fall away is that what you want and swami also gave the reason for why it happens he says if friendship is based on exchange of materials the giver feels higher and the receiver feels lower and friendship or a relationship can never exist between unequals it always exists between equals right and therefore i do not want to accept what you are giving and swami wrote this chit and keeps it under ramesh's desk <laughs> and you know when swami used to narrate this to all students swami used to tell those days children used to listen to me <laughs> Oh, said, Swami, <laughs> we will listen to you, Swami. We will try our best and try to follow everything that you have said. Please give us the strength. <laughs> we will be good children like those children of those days and try to follow your teachings. You know, that was one hand, and we were speaking about the Swami feigning sickness. Finally, when he complained of the stomach ache, there was no way they could check. Swami says that one of his teachers said that Satyam is having trouble he is having pain so do not trouble him we will let him be and we will go to the fair as conduct whatever service activities we are supposed to do there the scouts will leave without Satyam so in that way you know Swami had his way but then his heart melted his buttery heart how it cannot melt seeing the way the children pined for him to be a part of the scout troop even the episode that you just mentioned ramesh forcing him to accept dress and ramesh did that because he wanted swami to be part of the scouts he wanted swami to accompany them so because of all these combined feelings swami decided that okay i will go to the fair but now the question came how and that was when swami hit upon the idea of his books right swami so would say that you know i used to maintain all my books so neatly because mm-hmm. i hardly read from them <laughs> that's what swami <laughs> would say and uh, there were always boys who could not afford uh, new books so they would buy it from seniors i think it was a practice which was there even in our school times correct you know, second hand yeah just take it from seniors so swami offered these books to one boy and swami would say that the actual value of that book was about 12 rupees mm. and swami told this boy see i don't need so much i need only 5 rupees because swami had decided that all he needed was to buy those scout uniform and food he would manage that's what swami had thought and swami thought he, he would walk to pushpagiri from kamlapuram which is about 29 kilometers you know i, I actually happened to check it up in 29 kilometers right, in My google God. maps you know it's hmm. kamlapuram to pushpagiri is about 29 kilometers and it's interesting to see kamlapuram even now the railway station which swami would mention later we would come to that episode hmm. it's just two platforms even today and you can imagine what it would have been in that as you're narrating i am i don't know have you visited kamlapuram no i don't think so <laughs> no right i feel you know sometime we must go to this kamlapuram go to the area where the pushpagiri fair was being held we have missed photographing it and recording it in the way it was then but there are historic sites right i mean not only historic there are legendary sites because exactly. god was there so maybe we should visit sometime take some pictures and see how it is we also realize that if after these many years of growth and progress this is the condition of the towns today how they might have been in those days right absolutely and here was swami and all kinds of things even even for that uniform as swami as i was narrating that mm, yeah yeah correct you were saying that right. he went to the boy and said don't give me 12 rupees give me only 5 give rupees 5 rupees and swami would say that you know those days like how you have uh, paper money notes Correct. that is very uncommon then most of them used to transact in coins hmm. so this boy gave 5 rupees in all anas anas dummies yeah 16 anas make a rupee and then 3 dummies make an ana i think that's the calculation yes 
so he gave an all that dummies anas right. bottus you know swami mentioned about six names of the currencies the way it was in those days so there are like three dummies which make up an ana then there's a bottu i don't know what's the equivalent there's a bottu then there are 16 anas that make up a rupee so the boy paid swami in these dummies bottus and anas and so swami ended up with one huge bundle of coins coins which was just 5 rupees huh. and uh, swami said that you know th- that cloth also is a very old one in which it was bundled so when he gave it to swami that moment it just gave way and all the coins spilt in the house and hearing that uh, the clatter of all these coins swami says the lady of the house comes and she thinks that satyam has stolen the money from her trunk otherwise where would he get so yeah, much where money would he from? get so much money from and so she goes and slaps swami and takes away all the money and here you know when this is happening that boy is standing there with the textbooks and he's trying to explain that no no i have given that money to him in exchange for this mm. but that lady is not ready to accept she slaps swami and takes away all the money so the only option of making to that trip seemed to have just vanished <laughs> you know you know this one more there. aspect here i really don't know if as children today when we see in, it's not an uncommon sight children howl and wail and have their way with their parents whatever they want they get it and parents too you know are scared to discipline if i may say so because you can be sued if you raise your hand on your own child in some countries it has come to that you know but disciplining the children and teaching forbearance to a child is so important because you know swami gives the example of a sapling when it's growing if it gets a crooked bent maybe you can straighten it with a prop a support tying some thread right. so that it grows up straight but once it gets crooked and grows up once it becomes a tree there is no way you can straighten the bend if you try it with all your force you will end up in only breaking it breaking, it. breaking the tree and that is very symbolic of how important childhood is and how important it is to impart values and forbearance and all these goodness in the children and for that the parents themselves must have it and so you can see swami here you know just imagine when a child is if we can say punished for a mistake that is done itself the child protests so much nowadays <laughs> for no fault of his he was being slapped and thrashed swami just stood silent bearing it all and not talking back to elders what an ideal i feel that even if we take swami as a human being forget god all this is really possible if you do all this what he has done you will become a god yourself and you know come to think of it when we face obstacles in what we try to do hmm. we pray to swami and here swami was facing so many obstacles in that small trip which he wanted to make and you know every time swami faced it with so much fortitude and as you said every moment was a lesson because swami might have even thought that here is a younger boy in front of me hmm. and i cannot misbehave with my elders in front of him it'll set a wrong example no swami would have thought of so many things when he did each of these things but as you said you know his heart had melted he wanted to go to the pushpagiri fair with his friends so as he had already decided he said okay anyway i'm going to correct because uh, he had lost the money so he just decided no problem let's see what happens i am going to walk to the fair right. and so immediately after this episode he just walked out and began to walk towards the fair which you know you said it's 29 kilometers i had no idea i was thinking it's about something like 5 or 6 kilometers so 29 kilometers 
And Swami narrated during his discourse that when he was walking towards the fair, he became very tired and very thirsty. I'd like to mention this here, Arvind. Out of curiosity, I just wanted to see how far it is. Hmm. The Kamlapuram town to Pushpagiri town. Hmm. In Google Maps, you know, when you select the, you know, get directions. Correct. You can choose between either a bus journey or by walk or by vehicle. So I gave by foot. Okay. And you know what comes up? There's a message which comes up. It shows you the route and it says, beware that there might not be any footpaths in this journey. Okay. There might not be any pedestrian uh, paths for you to take. Which means the road is so rugged even now that you might not find a good place to walk. Mm. And Swami says that he walked that early in the morning. He started very early so that he would reach Pushpagiri in time. My God, you will have to walk the whole day to cover 29 kilometers. And when Swami grew so fatigued and tired, he did not even have, you know, water to drink because there's nothing. He was just walking and very few would, you know, very few, almost nobody would undertake this crazy venture of walking all the distance. So Swami said that he shared the water which the buffaloes drank from the water trough. Right. He drank that water because he was thirsty and he satisfied himself with that. You know, Prem, just imagine the Lord of the universe. He could have commanded the celestial waters of the Ganges with mere will. He just had to will, but but no. He drank that water which the cattle are drinking because he wanted to show the way one has to lead one's life. An ideal way of life. And he, you know, his life is testimony to the fact that if you stick to values and lead an ideal life, the whole world will worship you. That's what is happening, right? And you know, it's really funny. Just yesterday we were talking about mm-hmm. how we all gravitated to this package drinking water culture. Mm. You know, I think 10 years back, we all knew that we had to just, you know, catch some water which comes in the tap and maybe boil it or filter it and have. Mm. But now it's, it's so scary. People, it's an obsession. Yeah, you just cannot drink water which is not from a packaged bottle. And, you know, we've lost ourselves in in such things. No, I I also feel, I don't know, I may be scientifically how wrong, right. But I feel that so many occasions when I've drunk from the tap, nothing has happened to me. (laughs) Because I feel in one way, you know, this I know is scientific. That when you're exposed to some of these germs and whatever, your immune system builds on actually. Right. What we are doing by pampering with you know, ultra clean water, ultra clean food and only this, this, this is. The immune system is so weak because it is inexperienced. It has no experience in combat. The first instance of infection, you go down completely. (laughs) And this is what is happening, you know. Children are protected, you know, they're not allowed to play in the sand. You just Google and see there are thousands of articles on whether children should be allowed to play in the sand. (laughs) Children have been playing in the sand for centuries, for thousands of years. Yes, there have been a cases of one or two infections, but that is just a minority. In fact, there are scientific research papers which show that playing in the sand is itself very beneficial for the child's immune system. But all that is forgotten. The child is made to grow in a kind of isolation, kept away from all this. And therefore, at the slightest loss of precaution, the child gets very sick. And you know what that results in? That doesn't result in the parents or the caregivers realizing that we have done something wrong. They just feel that, oh my God, next time I should be even more strict. (laughs) It It becomes like a vicious cycle and apparently the immune systems are going down. 
of course we are not suggesting that we start drinking water from buffalo troughs yes but but when swami said the five elements draw their sustenance from me hmm. and here was swami saying that i didn't have water to drink i didn't have food to eat i didn't have money to buy myself breakfast and you know swami explains that you know once he reaches that pushpagiri fair till that breakfast time passed he made sure that he didn't meet any of his friends or teachers because he knew that he had not paid for the trip so his food was not being sponsored by the school and it is not right to eat there and he's not right to eat but the moment the teacher or his classmates see him they might take him for the food he wanted to avoid that at the same time he wanted to avoid them knowing that he had not eaten and food. there he needed his divine powers prem he needed his divine powers to escape from their watchful eyes no this is the unbelievable part of it you know prem if we have divine powers i think we will use it in a way that will help us so much but apparently swami used his divine powers which actually did not help him in any way <laughs> see if he had just not used his powers and just presented himself before his classmates and teachers as you said surely their heart would have melted and they would have given him food but it was not right and therefore you know what he did he made the most beautiful aromas emanate from his hand and when the teachers asked whether he had eaten the same technique that he had done years ago to his parents he did it to the teachers as well he would show them the hand and say that see i had my food so i don't need i mean it was like using divine powers against yourself right because once they smell it they feel okay maybe you have had food and so they'll stop making the offer for food also in fact you know kasturi sir writes hmm? that even much later some used to do the same thing huh. because after the prashandilya mashram came some used to visit the homes of so many of these residents the east prashanti when kasturi used to stay there some would just walk in at lunch time and some had to avoid eating lunch in every place so invariably some would show his hand and see smell i've just had lunch and come <laughs> Childhood habits don't <laughs> die at all. As you said, if there's a twist when the sapling is growing. <laughs> <laughs> well, in Swami scale, we can't call it a twist, but it shows that you know childhood habits stay throughout your life, and therefore we should use this opportunity, you know, to inculcate in the children values from childhood itself. And I think that's what Swami lived through his childhood. You know, there is something to learn. for everybody for parents there is something to learn for teachers there are things to learn for friends there are things to learn and swami is in his life demonstrated everything you know like how they say rama is one who has showed with his life how to be an ideal brother how to be an ideal son hmm. how to be an ideal ruler i think swami has given us for modern times all that you need how to be a ideal primary school student how to be an ideal middle school student i think skipping the college days swami didn't show us how to be an ideal college student by himself but i think that's what he did for the rest of his life correct started his university and i think you know one way also swami said that education is stuffing things into the children we don't need because the children have everything goodness everything is latent within you have to bring out from within what is there and therefore educare is important and i think that is why in his life also you know swami gave up education because beyond a certain point you don't need that kind of education what you need is to bring out what is latent within you if we see today everybody is obsessed in making the child an it professional or an engineer or a doctor arts fine arts music none of these are appreciated at all but these two if they are latent within indi- individual that is what the individual has to do 
I mean, so I think that is one reason why he threw away university education. But well, uh, one important point that we forgot to mention in the story, one very poignant point was when Swami, you know, he took some rest after drinking water from that buffalo trough. He found something interesting. He found an Anna coin, one Anna coin, right. along with a packet of BDs. For those who are unaware, BD is an country cigarette. Countryside cigarette, yeah. Right. It is just made Handmade. by rolling tobacco into tobacco leaves. Right. And they smoke that. So Swami says that he immediately took that BD packet, took out the BDs mm-hmm. and broke them into bits and buried them in the sand, <laughs> soil. Now that, you know, shows the kind of, if we can say, hatred that Swami has towards smoking. And you know, though it didn't happen in the childhood, but against alcoholism. Because these, he hates them because these ruin families and ruin lives. Human life, which is so valuable, is just frittered away because of these terrible habits. So he buried the BDs. And then, you know, so sweet, Swami says, in his discourse, he said, I committed one mistake in my life. (laughs) You know, so sweet when Swami says that, he said that, he took that one Anna coin and he saw a person. That person was conducting some kind of a village casino. <laughs> village casino, right. <laughs> village casino where that game was called Buddha Buddha Kate. <laughs> I hope I got the pronunciation right. Okay. B-U-D-A-B-U-D-A-K-A-T-E. Buddha Buddha Kate. Where he would turn a spinning stick. Mm-hmm. And if the stick lands on a particular number that you have chosen. You bet it on. Yeah, if it's showing two there, he gives you two times the money. If it's showing four there, four times the money. And if it lands on any other place, he takes away the money. Right. And Swami says that in order to fulfill the needs, he put that one Anna coin that he had found there and he multiplied it into 12 Anas. And Swami says that he could have gone on to win much more, but he just felt sorry for the person because there was no way Swami will lose. <laughs> so just again, once again, just what he needed. Exactly. And you know, in the discourse when Swami narrated this episode, he said, that is one mistake I made in life. And that's I, not once, you know, so many times Swami has mentioned that. Uh-huh. Whenever he would come to this episode, hmm. Swami says, that's the only mistake I've done in my life. I gambled. <laughs> and that also, you know, like how you said, when Swami tore up that BD's, his dislike for the habit of smoking, hmm. here was his, you know, distaste for the habit of gambling. Exactly. And once again, the same reason, because it has ruined so many families. See the humility, Prem. See the humility of the avatar. Okay, we make millions of mistakes and yet we strut about like a proud peacock. This, if we see in perspective of his life, it is hardly a, it's not even a blip. And yet, you know, he doesn't spare himself. He brings it out again and again saying, this is a mistake I made. This is a mistake I made. Really, hats off to divine humility. Now we can understand why all the children wanted Satyam because this kind of inspiration is very hard to find. Just like all the students love to be with Swami, all the students then too love to be with Swami. And just like Swami taught so many values in various ways, He used to teach them too in various ways. And once again, He came up with one composition, you know, which exhorted the children to always stick to the path of Satya, and dharma mm-hmm. because that is the way to lead life and maybe we can take a break now and present that beautiful composition of swami which inspires everyone to lead life following the principles of satya and dharma right and this must have been composed in 1930s i think yeah 
but what we're going to play for you dear listeners is the same song which is sung so many years later maybe in 1990s hmm. 60 years later by swami students the song which swami composed for his classmates hmm. here were his university students singing for him ಪಟ್ಟು ನೋ ಬಿಡವ ಬೋ ಕಣ್ಣೇ ಆದಿ ಪಟ್ಟು 
thought prem that <laughs> i am i don't know if swami would have thought that one day the compositions that he is making would be sung before him backed by bass guitars and keyboards <laughs> and drums oh my god right. being blasted on both speakers <laughs> and you know very beautiful song and i remember i think it must have been in my first year undergraduate second year undergraduate when early 2000 these, right when all these songs started resurfacing mm-hmm. when boys used to sing in front of swami during guru purnima and uh, festivals such as that they started bringing back these old melodies which swami had composed in 1940s actually swami had taught these to some of the early devotees hmm. so when these were sung swami was so thrilled you know hmm. because to say the least some of these songs are real tongue twisters hmm. even for people who knew telugu correct and can't imagine swami had written all these when he was 14 years old and 12 years old hmm. and you know with so much difficulty i remember we used to learn and some of these boys from north india who used to be able to sing this song without seeing the scripts hmm. because that time that used to be there you know, if you have scripts in your hand you can't see swami correct because you'll be reading the script right. you can't so concentrate we used to try to as much as possible memorize these songs hmm. and swami used to be so happy and the best part was if you make a mistake swami will know that hey i did not compose it that way <laughs> in so many songs ami would stop midway and say no no i didn't write it that way okay. change it like this beautiful memories beautiful memories well prem we were speaking about how you know swami won those 12 anas right but you know his fate was and not swami to would, be right swami would describe you know that one ana three bottus make one ana mm. and swami would say that for one bottu you get three dosas correct <laughs> so swami said okay with one bottu i can manage my breakfast with another bottle i can manage manage dinner dinner twice a day if i eat right. three doses so swami reached pushpagiri fair and, and swami said that i think swami takes a rest for a while that's what uh, i think he describes just before reaching the pushpagiri just fair just before reaching the pushpagiri fair he uh, rests under a tree you know you know swami says that uh, uh, i'm sorry uh, i got it a little wrong this uh, winning of the 12 anas you know takes place at the fair itself because at the fair okay. itself there is this gambling game that has been set up there Swami says at the night he had no place to sleep because he is not officially with the scouts. Right. So he used to, as you said, he had said that my relatives have come, I am staying with them. But Swami had no place to stay, and so Swami was worried about what would happen to this because he had no pockets, nothing, where to keep the money. So Swami said that he would dig a pit in the ground, put the pouch of coins inside, close up that pit, make a small mound of sand. and sleep on it using that mound of sand as his pillow and the earth as his bed the sky 
as his bed sheet right. or sheet that is how swami used to sleep and swami said that one night he was so tired he slept this way when he woke up in the morning he saw that his head was not on that mound of sand it had been placed elsewhere that mound had of sand had been dug up and those coins were all gone <laughs> and so with two days left for the fair to conclude swami had no money with him and he did not borrow he did not ask for two days swami went without food he starved and needless to say he would have been the most active scout exactly. at the pushpagiri fair too because you know again that uh, problem of not letting anybody know that you are going through this predicament lest it brings down your family honor how swami you know it just lost in admiration how how he stuck to family honor in such dire circumstances if i place myself you know i feel i would have just gone about telling everybody telling i need help come on help me i think because we all like sympathy you know all said and done we all are you know in some way or the other strive on sympathy when people feel sorry for you feel that you know you've been through tough this one but swami was here it was not about himself he said i should not portray my family in bad light this was something which is very striking and as you said when swami used to narrate this in, in discourses you know these were all lessons for us because when we were children when we were teenagers i think it's so easy for us to crib about what we don't have correct but swami was telling all of our students and most of these discourses swami used to keep repeatedly addressing students so mm. he says he family honor is so important i did not want to let them down i did not want them and a family which was not really treating him so well too and i think the other interesting thing which happens is as the fair comes to an end he feels that he has to buy something back home that is the tradition you know that when you, you attend pushpagiri also and then the fair was held there because there was a temple there right. and uh, in honor of the goddess and god there that was why the fair also used to be held so whenever you visit a place a holy place a pilgrimage place you return home with prasadam and so swami wanted to take home some fruits and flowers and some prasadam from pushpagiri right. and for that he needed money that was the time when swami borrowed <laughs> he borrowed from a friend see even when swami borrowed he borrowed it only for others sake never for his sake swami says that he borrowed and with that he bought some kumkum some fruits some sweets and some flowers as prasadam and then walked all the way back home you know a person who could borrow for this could have easily borrowed and had his food right and could have bought a few annas more and taken a bus back correct <laughs> but he did not do that he walked all the way back because even when he was borrowing it was for others sake and well the reception he received at home was not pleasant absolutely because here was satyam who had vanished from home for 3 days and i think also swami says that his sister in law was carrying that time that was one of the reasons why he wanted to make sure that he takes some prasadam, prasadam. back hmm. home and you know swami describes that scene in one discourse when he enters the house it seems sheshamaraju is back his hmm. elder brother is at home he has come back during his reprieve from the training and he is drawing lines in a book hmm. with a ruler okay metal one, ruler metal ruler when swami enters the house hmm. and already i think his years have been filled with the fact that satyam is vanishing is not at home nobody has done the works at you know the bringing nobody, of water and all those things we are all suffering he right? has just ditched us and walked so away so moment swami steps inside the house the hmm. sister starts shouting at him for having gone without telling any of them and uh, the elder brother also is infuriated with the thing and 
the next thing he does is he takes the ruler and starts beating swami in his hand his hand swells up the whole forearm swells up that's what swami says again swami is silent and swami doesn't say anything swami explains how he goes away and he takes a cloth and puts it in hot water and he himself ties a bandage around his forearm after that uh, for some reason uh, the father of Fa- swami yes pedavenkamaraju happens to come to kamalapuram yeah actually i think one of the reasons is uh, seshamaraju loses one of his children i think the one uh, which his wife was carrying yes there's a miscarriage correct and the news is sent to ishramma and pedavenkamaraju and pedavenkamaraju comes immediately and in fact you know there's swami describes how Sesham Raju sends a telegram and those days there was no way a telegram will reach Puttaparthi. Hmm. It can go only as far as Bukapatnam. As we said, it's not on the postal right. map of India. So when there are a few telegrams, they might dispatch a fellow to go and tell in Puttaparthi that the telegram. So it kind of beats the idea of a telegram <laughs> completely. But hmm. it seems on that day, Pedavinkam Raju was at Bukapatnam making purchases for his uh, small shop which he had. So the moment he sees the telegram, he boards a bus and comes to Kamlapuram. and you know when he comes here he sees swami with a bandaged arm hmm and he's so pain and he asks swami what happened what, you know what is this injury about and again swami says no nothing i just fell down exactly and uh, the father realizes that you cannot get such an injury by just falling down he also comes to know of what might have happened and so he tells he tells satyam that you know satyam you leave this and come back i don't want you know he's that is when swami says that his father told him that we can even sell salt make some money and eke a livelihood if we want you need not study if this is going to result father had great love for the son he had such great love he said you just come back with me satyam i will sell salt and we will do something <laughs> but no need no need for you to go through this in fact swami says that there was one subamma who was living beside uh, sesham raju's house and she used to have a small a makeshift restaurant or whatever she mm. used to make dosas and give she happens to tell swami's father oh, okay. about what swami is going through in this house what transpired there ha huh? he says aren't you well off enough even to take care of this small boy do you know how much he suffers and he carries all this uh, water and that is when the father comes and you know he sees all the wounds he sees the scar on his shoulder which has come because of carrying this water and you know swami says that one day in the evening after it's dark venkamaraju calls satyam and says that you know come with me so they take a lantern and go out into the fields and the father catches swami's hands and he says why are you suffering like this mm. you know why are you not telling us what is going through mm. what is happening here mm. and he requests him you come back with me mm. and as you said he says that you know whatever we'll do whatever we can and we can we sell salt yeah we can sell salt and we can take care of you mm. but but swami refuses right he says father it is not right just now sister in law has lost a child she will be in trauma she will need support so i will listen to you i will not disobey you i will return to puttaparthi i will come back but not immediately give it some time you go back now father i will be fine you don't worry he reassures his father and says that when the time comes i will return i will come i will come back to puttaparthi <laughs> you know even as i said that statement and in relation to the aradhana divas i just thought what a beautiful statement right you go wait when the time comes i will return to puttaparthi ah waiting for the day when ah memories anyway we have got still a few more episodes of the kamalapuram days kamalapuram days we will take it up 
yes, in sir. the next and satsang and on the even uh, as we are going through these episodes especially where swami's classmate comes and offers him that uniform mm. recollecting that swami says you know why did he offer that to me mm. it is not just like that he says swami says that all the purvajanma good deeds which he had done in his past birth in his past birth that was what gave him that good thought of offering this to this to swami hmm that was the culmination of so many good that he had done hmm and you know i remember one of my juniors when swami had gone to kodaikanal hmm. as we have uh, i think spoken about it before swami would give money to all the boys and ask them to go for shopping correct that used to be one of the sessions hmm and the session that follows is all these boys would come back and show swami what they've bought hmm so one of these boys had bought a shawl for swami Hmm. which was exactly the same color of swami's okhar robe okay okay so he bought two shawls one was for his mother and the other was for swami hmm so when this boy went up to swami he showed the two things he said swami this is for my mother and this is for my sai mother sai mother hmm. okay and he put it on swami's lap perfect match hmm. with the color, color of swami's but swami didn't want it swami said give this also to your mother and hmm. swami gave it to him swami said don't cover me with the shawl hmm. cover me with your heart that is all i want hmm and you know he was disappointed nonetheless and he went away but swami wanted to acknowledge that this boy had done something when swami gives something some money and says you buy whatever you want hmm. this boy brought something for swami so swami wanted to acknowledge this you know and so beautifully swami did it one day swami had called a devotee for an interview hmm. okay and when this person came back this person this devotee went and sat next to the father of this boy okay okay and he was literally in tears and he said sir what do i tell you how much love swami students have for him hmm. and how much love swami has for his students ha ah. so this uh, student's father was little uh, interested and he said why what did swami say hmm. you know and swami had actually described to him this whole scene hmm. of how swami sent boys for shopping hmm. and this boy brought a shawl for swami hmm. <laughs> you're a swami who had not accepted the shawl hmm. but he was acknowledging what a beautiful act it was And I think that is our Swami, and the feeling behind the act counts more than the act itself. Right. So, dear listeners, this is not still the end of Kamlapuram. There are some very, very beautiful incidents and very, very important ones mm. about Kamlapuram, which Swami has spoken in his discourses, which we will speak about in the, mm. the next week. So that way, we will continue the Satyam Shyam Sundaram Satsang. We offer this effort of ours at Swami's lotus feet. and i think it's not enough how many ever times we thank him for giving us this opportunity to recollect this beautiful stories and the best way we can actually offer our aradhana to swami is to keep him in our minds aradhana itself means remembrance right swami does not benefit by us remembering him we benefit a lot our lives get uplifted it gets fulfilled it feels so sanctified so let every day of our lives be an aradhana mahotsavam where we spend our time and energy thinking about him reliving his life and drawing inspiration from that so that our lives become his message that dear listeners is the end of this week's satsang thank you listeners for your company do stay tuned to radio sai global harmony happy listening sai ram you just heard an episode of our radio series afternoon satsang This is a discussion between Radio Sai's Prem and Arvind on different spiritual topics and the topic of today's episode was 
Satyam Shivam Sundaram The Life Story of Bhagwan Sri Satya Sai Baba This was first featured as part of Radio Sai's Thursday Live at 12:30 p.m. on April 25th 2013 We hope you enjoyed it Your comments and suggestions are very important to us Please mail them to listener at radiosai.org Next week same day same time will be the continuation of today's episode Stay tuned Thank you and loving Sairam from Prashant Nilayam.